You know what I've realised over the last 24 hours? Tell me what you've realised over the last 24 hours. A lot of television is workplace-based. The more you think about yeah. it, right? And it's like, yeah. But uh, we asked on Instagram what your favourite workplace-based television show is, and we got we got quite a few responses. Sharon says the IT crowd. Great shout. Which, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. Maisie says Parks and Rec in the office. Also agree with that. Classic. Uh, Alicia said Suits. Oh, yeah. That's a good show. Um, we also got an email from, of all people, Bay of Plenty Symphonia Tauranga. Kia ora. Uh, which was unexpected, but kia ora, Tom. And Tom says, hands down, The Wire. What is it? Oh, it's the greatest show of all time, Imogen. It's about cops in and, and, and Baltimore and the US and, and drugs and all that good stuff. Oh, nice. And we got one more, didn't we? Kath, what did she say? Kath said Bored. This is a, this is a YouTube series called Bored by Viva La Dirt mm-hmm. League, which is actually a bunch of Kiwi comedians. I'd never heard of this yeah. before. They've got this amazing YouTube channel where they do all these skits. It's kind of like the IT crowd, except it's based in a gaming store called Playtech. Nice. Really funny. Definitely go check it out. Thank you, Kath, for bringing that to my attention. Kia ora, Kath. This is Newsable. We're going to give you a shout-out in the intro. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. Nationals plan to tax offshore casinos. Sounds good in theory, but are there devils in the detail of how it would actually work? Also, airlines are creaming it after three years of COVID-limited travel. So is it us, the passengers, who are lining their pockets, or is something else going on? A new report fresh off the press this morning indicates the housing market's bouncing back, with prices starting to creep back up. And Emma can't use her engagement as her fun fact <laughs> this week, so let's see what you got today. It's time for Fun Fact Friday, and we also have an apology we have to make, oh. which we will do at the end of the show. Oh dear. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Usable. Usable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. Since the release of National's tax plans, the commentators have been out and about throwing their thoughts around over exactly how achievable these proposals really are. So just to remind you, four new money sources were identified to pay for the $14.4 billion the tax plans would cost over the next four years. They are a tax on some foreign house buyers, a user pays immigration levy, cutting a building depreciation tax break, and a new tax on offshore gambling companies. And it was that last one that caught our attention, partly in the sense of, hang on, are offshore gambling companies not already taxed in New Zealand? And then also partly in the sense of, well, how would you even go about that? Thankfully for us, Victoria University company law and tax expert Jonathan Barrett had similar thoughts. He went and wrote a piece for The Conversation about it, and he's joining us now to discuss. Kia ora. Kia ora. Jonathan, what's the deal in New Zealand as things stand? Online casinos, gambling operators, do they pay any tax here or no tax at all? Yeah, they, they, they pay GST, um, so it's an imported service uh, under the so-called Netflix tax. Um, but it needs to be stressed that it's almost voluntary in as much as um, these are reputable companies um, that want to do business in New Zealand. The thing that we don't know is the non-reputable companies, what they're doing, the extent of their activity, and of course whether they can practicably be caught within any form of tax net. 
Right. So, so you're not necessarily talking about the the bet three six fives and the lad brokes there, are you? You're talking about the go go kaching frog card win your dreams dot com yeah. kind of kind of, kind of organisations <laughs> that it's wild west stuff. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I I did a, a very very I, I'm not an online gambler. I have to confess, but I did a very brief um, Google search to see what's available on Tor, you know, which is obviously the the dark web trawler. And then first thing it came up, Tor Casino. Uh, we can circumvent all national jurisdictions and applicable laws. So <laughs> I have no idea what goes on, you know, on tour in terms of gambling. We know they're based in mostly in Malta and Curacao. Malta is in the EU, so it has this veneer of respectability, but it's uh, it pushes the regulatory boundaries continuously. And Curacao is on the EU's grey list of offshore centres, which means it's not as bad as British Virgin Islands, which is black, but it certainly means that there's suspicion about the regulation, about secrecy, and what goes on there. Jonathan, what exactly is National proposing to do? And then do you see it as being possible to, to pin down these players? Well, I don't know what they're really prepared to do, <laughs> because there's this very cryptic statement that they're going to establish a regulatory regime. But... um. It sounds very bureaucratic, for one thing, but also it, a regulatory regime we normally associate with controlling the rules which govern activities rather than collecting revenues. So um, it's a very peculiar phrase that they're going to do. I honestly don't know how they're going to do this in, in terms of collecting these revenues from other than from the reputable companies who choose to do business here. The rest are this idea that they're going to have some kind of posse tracking down these black market gambling sites is, is, is really just fanciful, quite honestly. Jonathan Barrett, really appreciate your time, expertise and insight today. OK, my pleasure. Now, the National Party does insist its plans have been independently assessed and that all their predictions have been checked. These new revenue streams have been proposed as part of National's plans to introduce tax relief to what it describes as the squeezed middle. But it is Friday, and that means that if you don't follow us on Instagram, it is time to do so, because how else are you going to get to choose this week's Fun Fact Friday winner? Get involved. Find us on Insta, Newsable NZ, and get your vote in by clicking on our stories. After three years of losses, Air New Zealand is soaring back into the green. See what we did there? Yes, yes you do. Uh, They reported a profit recently of $412 million. And then in the same breath, Qantas said it had also returned a profit after also having three years of losses. Theirs, though, is a pretty astonishing $2.7 billion with a B. Kiwi dollars. So how are these airlines making so much bank? Is it because COVID's no longer stopping us from travelling or is it because we're all paying an arm and a leg to get from A to B? Well, Stuff Senior Travel Reporter extraordinaire Siobhan Downs joins us now to unpack it all. Kia ora. Kia ora, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Yes, I'm good. And yeah, you're right, we are paying an arm and a leg. <laughs> so how are these airlines making these big profits? 
Well, that's exactly the thing. It's because we have been willing to pay for it. So since COVID, there's been this huge demand for travel, like more than anyone could have really anticipated. And so the airlines have been scrambling to get planes back in the sky. Mm. People have been happy to put their bums on the seats. And because the planes have been full, that basically means money in the airline's pockets, which is why we're seeing these big profits this year. Mm. Has there been a, a constraining of the supply as well, which means that the airlines have kind of been able to charge what the market's sort of prepared to pay, I suppose. Yeah, that's exactly right. So yeah, they just haven't been able to get the planes back in the sky fast enough, basically. And so that means, you know, once upon a time, well, I mean, once upon a time before COVID, Mm -hmm. you know, we were used to having planes about three quarters booked. So you'd always be able to get a seat, say you were going to Aussie or something. And so, you know, you'd expect to pay a reasonable amount. But now because the planes have been so full, just because there haven't been enough of them, that's why we've had to pay top dollar to even get on a flight. So expensive. One time I considered walking to Queenstown just to get there. Have we got any word on if the prices are going to drop at all? Jetstar launched or released a bit of a sale this week. I think some flights were $35, right? But Air New Zealand hasn't quite jumped on to match just yet. Yeah, so when Air New Zealand CEO Greg Ferran was talking about the profit, it was sort of an exercise of managing expectations for him. He said, look, we know the prices are higher than usual and, you know, don't expect them to return to what we were seeing pre-COVID because our costs have increased. But in terms of a price drop, the the feedback I've been hearing from experts has been we can expect to see a bit of a levelling off, which I take to understand is it probably won't get worse, but how much better it will get. Mm. Yeah, who's to say? I mean, in some markets like North America, they're saying that's the one where we're going to see some more competitive fares because there's so many more carriers coming in. And so then we've got more supply, which means, yeah, better prices. Lots of chat out of the UK about this massive, um, you know, widespread flight troubles all across the country. Do you have any idea what happened there? Yeah, so this was a crazy story. So Monday was a a public holiday in the UK and it's, you know, coming Mm. off the end of their busy, busy summer season. Mm. And um, there was this big stuff up with the the flight planning system, which is used by air traffic control. And so it sounds like one airline that hasn't been named, basically they input some wrong data when they were planning out their their flight route and this caused the whole system to break down essentially. But then people are now saying that shouldn't be able to happen, you know, just because someone's put in a little bit of wrong data. I think that resulted in like 2,000 flights being cancelled over three days and obviously hundreds of thousands of passengers disrupted. The airline hasn't been named. I'm sorry, it's not funny, but the fact that one, we don't, the unnamed airline, and two, that person probably doesn't have a job anymore. Uh, (laughs) Siobhan, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to chat. Thank you. We've got new housing market data next and what it means for your neck of the woods. But if you are enjoying what you're hearing, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. And while you're there, give us a review. Mostly because I love reading them. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that.
You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcasts. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> It's been a big old wait and see game for people trying to get into the housing market. Is the market at its lowest point? Could it go lower? When will it start to turn around? And figures out this morning from property website Real Estate indicate the market could be on the brink of a turnaround. To tell us more, we're joined now by realestate.co.nz spokesperson Vanessa Williams. Kia ora to you. Kia ora to you both. So, what, your figures suggest the average price could be starting to head back upwards. Is that is that pretty much the state of play? Yeah, that is correct. And before we say we've got a trend in the market, we look at how many times it has increased. So, we've actually seen five consecutive months now where the national average asking price has increased. There's different markets around New Zealand which are seeing different things. Um, but when we look nationally, that's what we sort of have seen a trend right across the motu that um, there has been five months now of of what we call in green shoots just in time for spring. Are there particular pockets though where those green shoots are greener than others? Yeah, the regional New Zealand is starting to see those those green shoots. I think our, our major centres, so Auckland, Wellington and Canterbury, are still teetering on the edge of sort of up and downs, but it's really regional New Zealand that's starting to see those green shoots a bit more consistently now. Vanessa, let's talk a bit about the supply and demand facet of things here because, you know, it's the first day of spring. It's the time of year where people start thinking about selling. So are more houses actually coming on to the market or are vendors being a bit more cautious at this point in time? We have seen vendors be very cautious for most of 2023. So what if I look at prior to August... Every other month this year, we have seen significant double-digit growth when we compare it to that time last year. However, during August, we've had 7,500 homes come onto the market, which is pretty consistent with what we saw in August 2022. But to give you a bit of perspective, in July, we saw 6,000 homes. So we were missing around 1,500 homes in every typical month of 2023. And now August, we're starting to see those green shoots again. We've heard National's tax plans to reopen up the market to overseas buyers for homes worth more than $2 million. Do you see that being a rush for homes, uh, maybe in Auckland especially? Probably in some of the major centres, and I will call out here um, the sort of Queenstown, Wanaka region. They have sort of typically have a lot of overseas interest, um, and that's pretty consistent in that market. I don't necessarily know whether it will see a big rush into New Zealand. Look, I do think it's going to stimulate a bit more of that demand, but I, I don't think it's going to take it away from our lovely first home buyers, which I suppose is probably the more concern. What is the average price for a house in New Zealand at, at the moment, if you have that figure to hand? So it's around $870,000. The beginning of the pandemic seems like a bit of a, mm. a milestone for us all. So when we came into the pandemic, our national average asking price was around 700,000. Um, so we have seen quite a significant increase when we compare it to that time. What we often hear in the media is that prices are dropping. And what I will say that means is that it has dropped from the peak mm. of January 2022. So January last year, the national average asking price got as high as a million dollars. So we have seen it drop backwards from a million to 870,000. But it is still ahead of us coming into pre-pandemic times. COVID-19, a milestone indeed. Vanessa Williams, thank you so much for your time and insight. You're very welcome. 
I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line no, there. That, that, I think Chris, that, it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, that, yeah I'm not worried about it at all. Actually, Nothing a fan there. That on. sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. Fun fact, I'm having a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Neil wins this week. Here we go. That's how we're doing it now, right? Okay, I'm not actually having a baby. But you can't prove that. I mean, you could. But you won't. Honestly, every day working with you is a surprise. All you do is surprise and delight. Oh, my goodness. That tickled uh, me. Dear. Thank you for that. No, welcome back to Fun Fact Friday. Um, it's a week a week on from you staging an engagement to get <laughs> a point to, to bring it legal again. <laughs> it's 12 apiece. It's actually, it's worked out pretty well, Fun Fact Friday, really, hasn't it? Because I is. was worried in the beginning that you were just going to absolutely pants me every week and it was going to be embarrassing. No, it's it's been a journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what are we now? <gasps> Pinch and punch first month, no returns. Oh my goodness me, I cannot believe we've made it this far into the episode without me even realising. But anyway, it's September. You only just... Don't bring it up. Let's move on. All right, let's get to our fun facts. Do you want to go first, seeing as you didn't get to say a fun fact last week? You can go first. I I want you to... Yeah, go first, yeah. In Peter Pan, Tinkerbell's fairy dust was a health and safety measure. Originally, Peter Pan and the Lost Boys could fly unaided. But the idea of young boys being able to fly captured the imaginations of so many young kids. There were several reports of children injuring themselves, <laughs> trying to fly off their beds. So J.M. Barry, the writer, added fairy dust as a key ingredient to being able to fly. Is that right? So yeah. in the original edition, there was no Tinkerbell there dust. There was no fairy dust, and then he had to add it in. Tragic consequences. Yeah. Also, double fun fact in there is that in the novel slash play, it's fairy dust, but in the movie, it's pixie dust. That's a great fun fact. I did not know that. I would have gone through my whole life without knowing that, so thank you fairy for Fairy dust was a health and safety measure. Okay, my fun fact this week is that sloths can hold their breath for longer than dolphins. How long could a dolphin hold its breath for? A dolphin can hold its breath for about 10 minutes underwater. How long can sloths hold their breath? Sloths can hold their breath for over 20 minutes. And uh, some sloths have actually been reported to hold their breath for up to 40 minutes because what they do is they slow their heart rate, like little slow zen monk dudes. Mm. And um, they're also very good swimmers, so they can just sort of float around with their heart going like a ba-dong, ba-dong, for <laughs> 40 minutes. Side note, like, sloths are pretty good swimmers. We both we come with double fun sloth? facts here. I don't yeah. know if sloth could swim. That do- that sounds dangerous. Yeah, it does, isn't it? I wonder if it's them holding their breath or it's just taking them 20 minutes to take their next one. <laughs> okay, time to get serious now. Oh, yes, we have an apology to make. Mm. Okay, so when you told me that we had an apology to make, I thought that it was a legit <laughs> apology. I was like, what have we done? We do have an apology to make newsable listeners. A newsable listener has very kindly emailed us to set the record straight. Mm-hmm. The plural... Of quail is quail, not quails, as we said multiple times in an interview with the local government minister. I mean, he said it too, didn't he? Yeah, we should definitely email. Well, actually, I've just Googled it. Mm -hmm. It can be quail or quails. So now that we've apologised, can we retract the apology? So we're retracting our apology. Can we correct our own record? Like a proper (laughs) non-apology apology. apology. Thank you for drawing our attention to it. Yeah. Uh, but what day of the week was it? Was it Wednesday? On Wednesday, we felt like saying quails. Maybe next time we'll say quail. Exactly. 
We're all about choices. What about vibe? Into the weekend, you will have good vibes, we hope, and make many good choices because that is usable for today. I'm Emil Donovan. And I'm Imogen Wells. Keep an ear out for our episode tomorrow. It's a lovely story about a very small school but a very great hockey team. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.